You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. At the top of the hour this hour, Boston Beat. Recently, we launched a new show here at Acaville, Boston Beat. One full hour each week immersed in the acapella scene of Boston, Massachusetts. There are probably more acapella groups per square mile in Boston than any place else. So hosts Eileen O'Hara and Rusty Epstein have tons to choose from when finding the best each week to share. Catch recordings, live performances, concerts, interviews, and more all on Boston Beat. You can hear the show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and again on rebroadcast Saturdays at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Pacific, only here at Ockerville. Hello, Ockerville fans. Welcome to Talkapella. This is Ockerville Radio's weekly talk show. I'm your host, John Lampus, and today we're going to be talking all about tenor-based groups with one of my former voice teachers, Jacob Herbert. Jacob, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, John. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. So, Jacob, before we kind of dive into uh, topic, the topic of the week, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your musical career, and, you know, your experience with acapella? Just a little bit, little taste of that. Sure. Um, well, I was born at a very young age. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to stick in a yep, little joke here and yep. there. Anyway, um, so I was born in Portland, Oregon, and the music scene in Portland, Oregon dictated lots and lots of involvement. It's very easy to get over-involved in Portland. Yeah. Um, so I joined my first choir when I was seven. I think I was singing in the church choir when I was seven. Then I joined a semi-professional boy choir when I was nine and stayed with them until I was 14. And then uh, at 14, after most of my voice had changed and I was um, able to do some countertenor, I was uh, one of the founding members of the Portland Symphonic Boy Choir, sang with them uh, just one season to help them get things off the ground, and mm -hmm. sang all the way through high school, um, earned a, um, a full ride to my undergrad at Arizona State, um, sang... Uh, classically uh, and some jazz while I was at Arizona State mm -hmm. and uh, was able to join the Phoenix Bach Choir, which is now the Phoenix Chorale. Um, in 2005, we made an album called uh, Spotless Rose, Hymns yep. to the Virgin, and we got um, two Grammy nominations for that album and um, one, no, four, no, two. I can't remember. Uh, and anyway, we won a we won a Grammy for um, um, was that choral album of the year? That's pretty cool. No, it was best small ensemble performance. Still really cool. So yeah, to and that a lot of my training for small ensemble singing came from working with that group and the creative minds involved in that group. Absolutely. And in fact, it was with that group that I um, became familiar with and, and somewhat of a fanboy of the seattle-based group impact yeah yeah and i think we'll be able to we're demonstrate a little, a little bit, bit of, of yeah a little later on for sure yeah they did, were based in seattle now they're based in la just somewhere yeah <laughs> and did you sing in an acapella group during your undergrad 
I what I did acapella pickup groups. Mm-hmm. So so if something was called for, we would j- come together and organize it. Yeah. But it wasn't something that I could dedicate my time to because I was mm-hmm. so busy singing all of my other, you know, all of the Bach. I was singing two Bach groups. Um, That's a lot back then. And um, I'm recently getting back into my jazz. So mm-hmm. um, I'm helping a lot of my voice students up here in the Seattle area with their acapella groups. Yep. So yep. And you helped me a- with mine in high school and all that fun stuff. So really cool. Okay. So listeners got a good sense, you know, of all that. So Jacob, what is it that you like about tenor bass groups? What's, what's the, what's the pull for you? What's cause I have, I've only ever actually been in tenor bass acapella groups. What's the, what's the part about it that you like? Well, I got to say it's, I, I, it's not that I prefer the, the men's only sound to the women's only sound. I kind of do. I like a mixed sound also because of the potential of high notes. But with men's groups, you have the potential of having all of those, uh, having all of those uh, chords built with high notes because of men's ability to use head voice and mm-hmm. damping. Um, women's groups miss the low notes, even though they make the joke about that in, in Pitch Perfect. Which which really bugs me, because at the end they have the whole thing about the lady or the character who has like nodes, and then so their last song has like a bass, like a bass in it, which is oh, really yeah. annoying because the whole point was about that they were a soprano alto group that was going to make it. And then and I threw that out the window. Just the, just a little exactly. thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that much of an aside, but totally yeah. <laughs> accurate. Um, there's, um, I like that these tenor bass groups have so much more color available to them. Mm-hmm. I think that it's easier for a men's only group to to drastically affect its sound to make it sound more stylistic Hmm. i think it's easier for a men's group to shift from a barbershop vibe to a country vibe to a jazz vibe Uh, i just i think there's more potential for the shifting of gears as we say can um can soprano alto groups not do that as well you think I think they can. I think they have a harder time doing it because it's a thinner sound and they'll um, they tend to affect their vocal production in a way that's less than healthy when they do it. Gotcha. I never thought of that because I always whenever I talk about why I like singing in tenor bass groups, it's mainly just because I like I know more about just based on experience. I know more about the tenor bass vocal instrument than the soprano alto one. And for me, I prefer no, like I prefer to work with instruments that are similar. So I can either like, if it's a younger group and not as experienced, I know what maybe they're working through vocally, or I have a good sense of all the, it's, you know, it's like if you're in a band or whatever, and you've played only brass instruments, you probably might feel more comfortable just if in a small group teaching a brass group rather than, you know, brass and winds, if you don't know how to work the wind instruments, but also I, most of the repertoire that I enjoy is uh, mainly tenor bass groups just kind of because you can still have the bass. That's, I mean, that's huge. And you get that in mixed groups as well. But I like that it's, I I like what you said about um, color, but also I think just in terms of range, um, you just, it's just 
easier and you have like you said more available to you because guys have falsetto and whatnot and all those colors and i just like the kind of culture and the um because i've only ever been in i've been in now two small tenor bass groups both five people um and i think there's something really unique about that kind of setup just in terms of the instruments i don't know why i just like working with those instruments and singing with those instruments better it's it's hard to describe honestly i think you're describing it very well actually and also to that point we have a, a very important responsibility as role models and educators showing that men singing is yeah. a real thing and it's legitimate and and these young men that are terrified of how they're going to appear because they sing yeah because i that no that's a really good point just i was you know not really but you know people would make jokes about how i was in choir in seventh grade or whatever and i did not have a sense of that like singing for tenors and basses and men was a cool thing until i really got to high school where i saw the show choir acapella group um and even that wasn't a full tenor bass ensemble it was it was uh it was a mixed group but the whole the just seeing that these people who i kind of knew or like you know the seniors and juniors who are really great vocalists um that are boys getting up there and singing and like looking really cool and um just expressing their talent in a really cool way that was like revolutionary for me at a young age and i wonder how it would have been and i wonder how kind of other uh young boys um kind of musical careers or when they decide to start getting involved would be affected if they if when they have that and that's the group i'm with here we're hoping to do like an elementary tour for that exact reason because and i do my practicum out for a uh, young boys choir um and it's a really uh the director was talking about how it's his group is kind of an anomaly because there are so many boys who sing and it's considered really cool and i definitely agree that we have a responsibility to kind of uh, turn the tide and kind of change the conversation about just in just for like anyone about what singing is like for young boys i would say and men in general exactly i'm glad that you are becoming a proponent about this you're thinking about these things the way i hope i think about these things yeah it's important especially if you know you're gonna teach choir or if you're just gonna if you're gonna be in a tenor bass acapella group there's a sense of responsibility in just american culture in how um singing is seen generally in like middle school and uh high school uh for lower for for um in in lower education for young boys because i think there's definitely a stigma that is really i think gone away a lot um but it still exists and i think how i kind of saw it was um no one thought it was lame that like you sang if you were good people thought it was cool if you were a good singer but if you sang like in choir it was seen as kind of like oh you're in like choir but then you know seeing these groups where they have the opportunity for solos or barbershop stuff or whatever it, you get a sense of okay it's not just you know there's as dumb as it sounds like singing in choir is singing and it's not this kind of off uh different kind of um environment or cultural or it is a different cultural thing, but I think recognizing like, Hey, you, you can be a guy and you can sing and you can sing. Well, people like, you know, when they see that, especially younger people, when they see that for the first time, that's a really big, that can have a really big impact. And that's a really cool experience. And I am really glad that 
I think that's happening more and more. And I'm glad the conversation has uh, changed a lot since I was in middle school about whether it's cool for guys to sing or not. Because, hey, people, it's it's rarely that they someone hears a guy with an amazing voice and thinks, oh, that guy's lame. But again, it's just the idea of choir. Um, and that's yeah. the kind of interesting idea with acapella groups where it's, you know, it is it is a vocal ensemble, but it is different in that regard culturally. And I think that's kind of a nice bridge essentially between this idea of a cool guy singing a choir and then acapella groups kind of in the middle. And I think it's creating a really cool cultural bridge and starting really unique dialogue for younger, uh, me- um, younger men and boys that I, I really hope continues to develop over the next few decades. Absolutely accurate. And I remember being part of the men's ensemble in my undergrad going out to the, the public schools and, yeah. and, and demonstrating to these kids. In fact, um, one of the um, one of the concerts we did on that quick tour was for the uh, Associated Student Body Leadership Conference. Oh, that's cool. So we so we had the student body presidents and the class presidents uh, all <laughs> as a captive audience, <laughs> and we were. I love and captive audiences. Ain't that, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Um, <laughs> and one of the tunes we were singing was a setting of the um, uh, Marry a Woman Uglier Than You. <laughs> never make never make a pretty woman your wife, right? So uh-huh. here, here all, uh, and I was the soloist for that. Mm-hmm. So it was my job to step out in front of the men's choir. And I want to say we were we were at least 60 strong. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty but, cool. I mean, that's not hard when you come from a university of fifty-eight thousand students yeah. at that point. I think they're they just topped eighty. Wow. Um, so we stepped out to this school. I'm stepping in front of the choir and realizing I know the song better than I think I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not having to use my music so much, and I'm just I'm engaging and spotting the kids that I recognize. Yeah. Yeah, look, the ones that are connecting, right? Yeah. And then the ones that are like, I can't believe this sounds so cool. You can see the look on their face when they're yeah. actually engaged. There's a shift that happens when they see something like that and hear it. Shift. Yeah. I, that, I think, hey, that could be part of your doctoral work right there. Shift. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that's good to remember. Yeah, so um, in singing in, you know, it's, it's interesting because I've actually seen in acapella groups specifically i feel like there are almost more often not more just at the universities i visited and attended and whatnot i feel like there's almost sometimes more tenor bass acapella groups than there are uh other groups surprisingly because i think there is this whole idea and it's a good thing of like the college uh, male acapella group that is like it's a it's definitely a cultural thing and i think it's like I said, it's separated kind of from the idea of choir. And I think there's something like you said, really positive about that for young boys seeing that. But I think it's, it's also, it's the tenor bass, the guy acapella group um, definitely is a unique position. I think in general, like college campuses, like just thinking of like in pitch perfect, the um, treble makers, I think is what they're called. That, that's that. The boys trope. Group. Yeah. There's a, there's a trope with that, but it's not entirely, wrong and i think that's a really 
unique thing that um, it's a really neat kind of cultural kind of pillar we have in American college that I'm really glad we have. And I think it's a really, it, it's really cool that that is what is seen as cool. And I noticed, cause there's a lot of guys um, in tenors and basses who might not sing until they get to college and they only sing when they join an acapella group. Cause that's the time when it's cool. And I think it's, I'm, I think having acapella groups and like either student run or like as a side group in a choral program, those having those in high school and stuff. Um, and there is something to be said for like, if it's separate from the school, it's not saying as like a teacher thing, it's seen as a student creation. But I think that it, having groups like that at a younger age um, in, in smaller, in, in high school and secondary and middle school and whatnot, I think there's something really uh, that can be really beneficial if we just kind of show them how cool it is earlier and earlier. And I think kind of taking this model of the cool tenor bass acapella group um, and just kind of seeing if we can kind of continue that culture at a younger age, I think would be incredibly beneficial, not just to, because we get more acapella groups, but I think I imagine that it'll help with like confidence and awkward, you know, adolescence. I know that I didn't really have a thing until I started singing in choir and then acapella, I just, I did not really know what I was interested in. I, besides like, that would be like either a career or just like a really fun hobby outside of like video games or something. So I think there's something really cool in um, being a champion and a proponent of that kind of group, especially younger and younger, because there's just so many benefits that can come from that. Amen. And we know also from our scholarly research into uh, the psychology of education that the seven intelligence areas, um, if I can even remember three of them right <laughs> now, I'm going to feel good. Uh, linguistic, numerical, spatial, interpersonal, intrapersonal, musical. Hey, I got six. Where's yeah. the seventh? Um, I can never remember the seventh, so <laughs> I'm kind of negating my point a little bit, but yeah. I'm going to bring it up anyway. Yeah. Every musician who is ranking themselves higher in musical intelligence scores higher in every other category on average mm -hmm. than people who score high in one of the other categories. Yeah. They've made a direct correlation to those who are of greater musical intelligence, um, having a greater intelligence in all the other educational areas. So, from the psychological standpoint, we sometimes fail our students in helping them with their interpersonal and intrapersonal development. But music solves that because they have to figure out a way to work with each other and to, yeah. to find that kind of confidence. And uh, that is imperative, imperative in the male psyche. Yep. So that's uh, that's why I'm a proponent of the men's acapella groups because, I mean, just from the educational standpoint. And the other point I wanted to bring up about um, your last statement, mm -hmm. that the ability to become self-directed learner mm -hmm. from an early age and yeah. then to get into high school and to to sing in an acapella group there. And then to go on to college, you can found or be the founder of your own acapella group or search out one of the acapella groups that mm -hmm. is already on a college campus. And then you as an ensemble decide the level of commitment 
you have. Mm -hmm. It's it's not like joining a choir through the university or yeah. through the high school that has a set. This is your commitment. Yeah. You make the commitment for yourself. Yep. And I I'm I find that very appealing. Yeah. Especially for you know back at one point I was singing in six no seven seven ensembles mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah. And on, only once did I ever have a conflicting concert. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty lucky. I I think my most was six, but and I don't think we ever had conflicts ever. But yeah, I absolutely agree with all that. So we're actually, uh, I think that's a good place to stop for a second. We're going to take a quick break and listen to a little tune called Temptation is performed by Chanticleer, which is comprised of all, t um, all um, males. And uh, we're going to take a quick listen to that. And we're going to be right back here on Tacapella.
Dutch pink and Italian blue. She's there waiting for you. My will has disappeared. Confusion is also clear. Listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. And welcome back to Acapella with your host John Lampus. My name is Jacob William Herbert. I am your guest this week. Ha ha! Yay! So we talked a lot about. We just finished talking about kind of the psychological and cultural importance um, of groups that are comprised of tenors and basses and men. And I'd love to talk kind of a little bit more about the music. Cause I think that could be a really uh, fun uh, thing just for me to learn more about, but also mm. just kind of knowing what's out there. And if someone wants to start a group where, the, where should they look or how does, how does one go about kind of programming repertoire for, a tenor bass acapella group, stuff like that. Cause I know for me, my kind of, uh, how I kind of got started with my, technically I guess it was my second group. The first one I started Timberman. Um, we did kind of quite a bit of doo-wop and barbershop stuff because those, and they, they weren't arranged by me. They were arrangements I found. Um, and those were arrangements that I felt, um, they were more focused kind of on harmony than on like texture of, mm-hmm. um, and I felt more comfortable doing those kind of things because I just kind of wanted something that had a history and kind of a cultural relevance, but also something that was kind of done by a professional. I see lots of groups create their own arrangements that are really, really bad or just ones that are okay. And I wanted something that would fully show off the uh, unique voices in my group. So I mainly stuck for like the first two semesters of uh, Timberman to doo-wop and barbershop and stuff like that. And then we did, and then we eventually got into, once I learned how to arrange better and kind of get understood more nuanced ways of um, arranging for tenor bass groups, we got more into that stuff. But I, I think uh, starting, if someone's, you know, kind of Looking to start a tenor bass group, I I think starting with oldies is never a bad thing because it's never it's in addition to just like solid repertoire and stuff and solidly arranged. Um, there is 
people there will be those people who just love that because there's not many groups that do like older tunes and that's what timberman does is they do contemporary acapella you know all the time but they also do lots of throwbacks we did come go with me by the dell vikings the uh signature the tradition song is shaboom by the chords stuff like that which are always really That's fun to do great tune it's so great tune so good we've played it on the station many times so jacob i'm wondering what else like you kind of think and what knowledge you can impart to myself and the listeners about repertoire for uh tenor bass acapella groups it is for me it's all about the listening it's mm-hmm. about listening and finding out what it is that either hooks the audience mm-hmm. or or to, and also has to respect the artistry of the singers involved in the group yeah um and making sure that everybody feels like they can feature at some point yeah that's why i like small groups because that's yeah you, everyone's voices matter more and we've had a whole episode about big groups versus small groups actually i think we've had two now and um <laughs> but I, I i know what you mean it's you want something that's going to, because again, while well, we said uh, ad infinitum in the last segment, all about the cultural importance of uh, tenor based vocalists and for young boys and stuff like that. It's really cool when you're not just buried in a, in a group, you're actually mm-hmm. at the kind of a sense, not just not necessarily at the forefront, but you're really an active member in that. So I, I totally agree um, about that kind of, that kind of repertoire being important. Amen. And it's also, um, on the very flip side of this, mm-hmm. there are those groups that really, um, I don't know if there's a, a more constructive way to say it. I'll try and say it constructively. <laughs> that groups focusing on making new arrangements tend to focus on the actual innovation and they lose their base. They yeah. lose their foundation. Um and which is a pitch perfect too. They kind of cover that. And <laughs> I just, it's so horrible. Those two films are, are prime examples of what's wonderful and horrible about acapella singing. So um, explain that a little bit more yeah. innovation versus foundation. So the foundational things, the foundational repertoire, the barbershop, although I've got to tell you, I'm not a huge fan of barbershop. Oh. One or two things, one or two things, one or two pieces in a program, great. But if you're doing 30 minutes of barbershop, I am looking for a loaded weapon. Then you should just... not tune into our other show here on uh, Akavale Shop Talk, where it's two full hours of that. So I, um... <laughs> th- th- don't don't get me wrong. Th- there is a time and place for that, and there the people that advocate for it, I advocate for them. It doesn't satisfy my ear. That's fair, and that's that's totally fair. But the it also is a type of singing mm-hmm. that is so much more accessible. Yeah, I I think you don't have to be as versatile a singer to do acapella yeah. uh, to do uh, barbershop excuse me um and one of my unique opportunities as uh, the voice teacher that i am these mm-hmm. days um teaching in edmonds mm-hmm. edmonds washington uh, a great majority of my students actually come from kamiak high school in okay. uh, Mukilteo, washington and they have since 19 19- 99 or around maybe even 2000 
have an auditioned student-led barbershop program. Like a not just a group, but a program. But a program. How does that like what what does that it's a, consist of? It's a it's a class called barbershop. <gasps> this barbershop program is primarily student-led. Um, they get coaching from their choir director when needed, mm-hmm. but each of them going through the uh, change of voice, hint, mm-hmm. hint, that they are going through at those teenage years, Yeah, each of them has uh, struggles to reach some of those pitches, to sing that style, and to do it healthily. Um, so that's where I step in. And I yeah. help them with their vocal pedagogy and I help them with uh, a little bit of style. And then I also get, <laughs> this is where things get fun. Mm-hmm. I get to help them find repertoire that, oh, cool. that isn't just, that isn't just barbershop uh-huh. because they have, they also represent their school at the solo ensemble contests. Oh, wow. Yes. And then each of those kids is required to do a solo to be in that program because it's the advanced singing class. Whoa. Yeah, that so- is so cool. Actually, they're in one of the few programs in the state where every student is required to participate in the solo ensemble contest. Wow. That's yeah. really, really cool. So that's that's such a unique kind of way to get involved and a unique um, way to get engaged with that kind of music. So in addition to barbershop and kind of oldie stuff, what's what's your opinion on kind of the more like the stuff you're talking about, more innovative, um, diff, like as different as if that's the best word I can use, kind of acapella arrangements for tenor bass groups? Well, let, let's kind of delve into the history for just a second. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of my favorites from back when uh, before my mother was born, actually, mm. um, a singer by the name of Joe Stafford had her own variety show. Um, Joe Stafford was was basically Ella Fitzgerald before Ella was Ella Fitzgerald, mm. and Ella was one of the last singers to headline on the Joe Stafford show. Uh-huh. So that'll give you dates. I think um, the Joe Stafford show was on early fifties. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Um, and she was frequently. Uh, backed up by a men's jazz quartet just for a men's jazz quartet called the dots the dots the dots d-o-t-s um cool yeah and they had this tight harmony that was all jazz they did barbershop too but they were all about that jazz and knowing that we have that as a foundation we can listen to jazz standards and figure out how to emulate the instruments and, and yeah. to me, right? So that to me is one of the original boy groups. And then fast forward and we're getting, um, it's all about the instrumentation, you know, mm-hmm. in the 60s and the 70s and, and uh, the rock and roll invaded everything. There was still some men's harmony going on. Look at the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at the Stones. Uh, and then we get into the 80s. And styles are changing once again. We're getting into this Quincy Jones era, if I may be so bold, of black men coming together and making amazing music. We've got Tony, Tony, Tony. We've got Boys to Men. Um, And then we get into the 90s, and we all know what happens in the 90s. We get (laughs) NSYNC. We get Backstreet Boys. 
um, 98 degrees, often overlooked by LMNT. people in our field. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. So this tradition of um, men singing together as a way of uh, redefining masculinity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that's going to get us back to the psychology again. Yeah. So it, when we talk about the repertoire, let's look at classics. Mm -hmm. Let's look at jazz standards and see how we can make them, bring them into the modern era. Um, and so many of those jazz standards were just tunes from musicals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have a challenge for you, my friend, since right. you are doing, doing, um, arranging these days. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm going to make sure that I say the right date. Um, the Tony Award-winning new musical in 1972, I think it was 72, was called The Golden Apple. Mm -hmm. And the groundbreaking song from that show was called Lazy Afternoon. It was covered by... I think Kingstingers did that recently. They may, they very well may have. Mm -hmm. I, that would... that, But I know... The Barbara Streisand recorded that on one of her Broadway albums. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just delicious, but I've never heard anybody do it a cappella. And it's got all sorts of harmonies in it that would lend itself to uh, men's a cappella singing. That's really cool. Um, I think one of the crooners, one of the last crooners recorded it. I'll look that up. I, I mean, uh, it's totally actually, well, I want to encourage the listeners. Look at that tune. Listen to it. it. It there's something maybe a little trite about the lyrics. Um, it's a lazy afternoon, and the beetle bugs are zooming, and there's not another human in view, mm -hmm. but we too. So I think it's I, I, exploring repertoire solely for the sake of innovation tends to be damaging, but exploring oldies and making them into your acapella group's style. That offers a huge base of, of inspiration to me. Not to mention, by looking at that oldie, you hook somebody in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. I'm going to remember that. That's a really good way of putting it, because I think a lot of groups just kind of look at what's popular today. Maybe they'll look at what was popular 10 or 15 years ago, but kind of going way back. And, uh, you know, it's... Um, it's just another way. It's just another kind of hook you have. It's just another kind of tool you have in your arsenal to either set yourself apart from other groups. I know one of the things that I like to do is take lesser known, like take popular artists, lesser known songs. And then mm. because people aren't as attached to them as like we did Light a Roman Candle with me, which we deconstructed on episode. Um, and people, we added in a bunch of kind of crazier harmonies and whatnot and but if we did that on like some nights or we are young, like it might not land as well. But taking something Absolutely. that was taking something that still has like that great artistic integrity, but maybe wasn't a top 40 hit or something. I think that's in the same kind of zip code in a sense of taking something <laughs> uh, that's older and kind of where it does have, uh, you know, a, it's, it is well loved, but kind of making it your group's own thing. I don't think people are going to go crazy because you like slightly change the chords from something like the golden apple because it's been so long but making it kind of your own thing and maybe slightly modernizing it you get that whole blend of old and new uh specifically for your ensemble which i think is a really unique thing and i think something tenor based groups should 
absolutely and all acapella groups frankly should consider doing yeah absolutely it, it sometimes we talk about a specific um lineup of an acapella group thinking that it maybe only applies to men singing but if, sorry for going back to the psychological thing no, it's again fine. But it's a big thing women have had no problem organizing themselves into ensembles and doing their things i mean the for every barbershop answer there's there's a sweet adeline answer you know mm-hmm. um and uh, but being a an advocate for men singing there's just so much repertoire out there that they're probably even afraid of singing mm-hmm. yeah and that would be that's something worth exploring too that something yeah. that's typically female that they should make their own yeah gender bending i love that oh gender bending is way too <laughs> one of my favorites was actually in the in the movie philadelphia and the barbershop group got in there it was a gay barbershop group singing mr sandman oh cool because that's so that scene so much as a standard for soprano alto groups it's so seen as a female thing that's really cool i think that is something and again yeah that gets into redefining masculinity and cultural importance and uh specific stuff like that i think it's really cool when uh the group can kind of serve that purpose not just inspiring men to sing but helping them redefine what it means to be quote-unquote manly Mm -hmm. in that kind of sense so i we did um we did something recently it was a gender bent thing but i love stuff like that and there's um uh what do you call it there's a song called hold me it's by one of my favorite groups stream steam powered giraffe and it is written from the perspective of a um transgender woman so it is sung in the tenor bass range but it's talking about being a lonely lady and all this stuff and stuff like that i think is again in the same zip code same kind of taking the time to redefine it and it has for either for a tenor bass group or something like that um i think there's a real uh that's kind of a gold mine that i think people should really uh, exploit in regards to giving their songs a little more maybe more cultural significance or personal significance it's really really cool stuff mm-hmm. amen um there's actually a group that i totally stepped over saying nothing about that inspired me when i was a little little kid to continue listening to men's acapella singing i just I, i've got to bring it up mm-hmm. take six. Oh yeah yeah good it's shame on me for not bringing it up sooner <laughs> um a group that uh, i think these six men uh put their ensemble together for a uh seventh day Adventist church-wide assembly meeting uh-huh. to entertain and they they gelled so quickly and they were so inspiring that they just yeah, they found their groove and became a national success because mm-hmm. of this one meeting. Yeah. These chance meetings. I, I mean, looking at the math, the, the likelihood of true international fame doing what we do, not that high. But now with the internet... And with opportunities like you and I are sharing today, mm-hmm. you get out there. You you get out. There. I mean, look at Tyler Oakley. Tyler Oakley has his own TV show now mm-hmm. because he was such an internet sensation. I, I just, I think it's really important then to identify that gift. Yeah. Identify identify your own gifts and make sure you share them. Yeah, absolutely. 
I can't yeah. think of a better way to end that segment. Man, it's, that is resonating with me. So we're going to take another quick break here. We're going to listen to a group we talked about earlier, Impact. We're going to listen to their version of Favorite Things. I don't need to tell you what that's from, hopefully. And before we get oh, get right into this tune, mm-hmm. which is just the most tasty, rhythmic, oh, they're so good. Um, understand that the lead singer of this group, um, his name is Brett Quentin Gilbert, uh, at least in this recording. All three uh, of them? He's no... Uh, Brett Quentin Gilbert is his mm-hmm. full name, um, is no longer <laughs> with Impact. He is now directing Thriller Live in London. Ooh, because of cool. his acapella singing, he's now stepping into the shoes of Michael Jackson. How cool is that? That's really freaking cool. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick listen to that, and we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens Bright copper kettles and warm wool and mittens Brown paper packages all tied up with string Oh, these are a few of my favorite things Girls lose this day on my nose and eyelashes Silver white winters that melt into spring These are a few of my favorite things When the dog bites, when the bee stings When your feelings say
You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. And we are back here on Tacapella. I'm John Lampus talking with Jacob William Herbert from Edmonds, Washington, my old voice teacher, about tenor-based groups. We hit on the psychology and cultural relevance of tenor-based groups as well as repertoire. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about the kind of intricate stuff that goes around in parts and the actual rehearsal and the singing and whatnot, all that fun stuff. So Jacob, knowledge dump. Tell us, tell us the smart thing. Say it. Never eat yellow snow. That, not yep. what you were looking for no okay so, so, okay we got that one okay good um yeah i mean you're in colorado right you got to avoid that snow. there's no snow um, yet i moved here <laughs> they asked us yesterday what do you like about this year so far what don't you like and i said i was told there would be snow okay get back to, that was it was not related he was talking about music we are okay back to back to the talk about right being. I think that a really big untapped resource for finding singers is community colleges. Mm. So many kids who didn't find that outlet in high school are now at a community college and looking to find themselves. The kids in college, they found themselves. I mean, they found a purpose. If they're going to go to a four-year institution, a great percentage of those kids are going to be already on board with one or another of their dominant personality traits and their their love of music is going to be fulfilled somehow at that college Mm -hmm. but at a community college there aren't as many outlets Mm -hmm. we're trying to uh, foster a program of chamber groups here now so we now have i want to say seven teachers available for just chamber ensembles that's really cool So, so woodwinds strings um jazz quartets quintets trios and now i'm the advisor for all of the uh, vocal area and is there a groups. tenor bass group there isn't this term there was last term except they didn't have the advising position set up. Mm. So they had to pay me out of their own pocket Ooh, yeah. to work with them. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can register for a credit and then that credit helps pay for a, an advisor. Yeah. Um, so, but the, the point I want to make about that untapped resource is don't be afraid to change parts. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. If you think of yourself as a bass, try to learn baritone. Heck, try to do some second tenor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we here at Edmonds Community College do a uh, an annual faculty showcase concert mm-hmm. where all of the music faculty we demonstrate what we do. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in 17 years, I got up with the jazz trio and I sang a jazz standard. That's pretty cool. To show these kids step out of your comfort zone. It's okay. Trust. So I'm here to say that too. Trust that if you are a bass, you can probably muster up some baritone. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're a baritone, you could probably fry out some bass that would be very interesting, or even float out some second tenor. Yeah, we're in the process right now of forming my current group, and we're been trying to choose one more voice part. We currently have myself, two high tenor ones, a lower baritone, and we're trying to get hands on like this deep second bass who didn't end up working out but the next one we're getting is this really great um who i think is going to join the group is this great kind of 
Baratener, kind of in the same range as me, but he's someone who just has a lot of versatility and jumping between parts. He could probably do some bass too. He's usually done baritone and now he sings tenor too because that's where his voice is kind of moving towards. And, sure. you know, I remember, I, I think that's so, that versatility is so important because um, I remember in high school in the uh, so poorly named group that I was in, the, uh, <laughs> you remember it, the Poop Decks. Um, yeah. The thing with them was on every song, like how they auditioned, it wasn't just like, you are in the Poop Decks, you are the, you became the tenor one of the Poop Decks or the tenor two or whatever, yeah. which there's something they would always introduce, like, hi, I'm John, and I'm singing baritone, and, like, I'm whatever, and I'm singing tenor two, and there is something kind of cute about doing that intro, but it's, you know, and that's kind of how I thought you were supposed to do it, but going forward into college, it just made, and that's kind of how we did it originally in the Timberman, but then it just is like, okay, well, I'm doing, like, uh, what was it, the bass has a really great falsetto so it makes it and he has a better falsetto than me right here so let's switch mm. in the middle of the song just for these like five measures and exactly and it works better in the timbre and then i would sing the quote-unquote tenor one part at some point just because it was something that fit better in my voice just in regards to passaggio and the lightness that that part needed as opposed to the actual like full voice tenor and then having um uh, our tenor who had had one of our tenors who had had just a lot of time uh, who just, I think, needed kind of a break from the constantly doing high notes, having him do like kind of more of a baritone solo and exploring his lower range. I think it's so cool. It, the tricky part is it's really hard to find someone who can do like a real, real bass stuff, but you can yeah. have you can have your bass. If he has a good falsetto, be falsetto for the tenor one part. That's what we did. Why not? Our second semester when we had two really good vocalists leave and we were struggling to figure out what we were going to do, we had, and we did a... Um, version of come fly with me a barbershop mm. version we had one Whoa. real yeah we had one real tenor and two baritones in a bass but one of the baritones jumped up and did uh, my friend greg who's been on the show before he did the tenor one part in falsetto and it created nice. a really nice balance because you don't necessarily want that tenor one part to be full-blown like full voice because it's supposed to be like kind of an icing on top of the the full voice nice. melody yeah way to put it yeah i mean and that that's something also that I'd love to bring up that um, lots of community colleges these days, as, at least in Washington state, you'll have to check in Colorado. I hope Colorado is just as hip. Um, I, we have an excellent digital music program. Mm. So kids are coming here and composing on the computer and yeah. making techno. And they're also audio engineering. Find one of those kids who's looking to try audio engineering. So you have an audio engineer in your ensemble who cool. can record you and you that way you can analyze more clearly what you're doing you can't just make a voice memo on your smartphone that's they won't be yeah. the kind of quality you need it to be but back to the very first thing i said listening mm -hmm. it's about the listening absolutely and i you know wrapping this up i just think it's really cool that we're in a time where we can talk about this stuff. We have a way to talk about this stuff and that mm -hmm. there is, there is a momentum to tenor based acapella groups. There's currently no tenor based group here on Colorado state. We are getting one going with my group. Um, and there is just like talking about that. There is a huge, like, Oh, you guys are doing that. Like there is a real taste for that. People want that. And it's really yes. cool that we are in that time where that like, it, and it was the same thing when I started Timberman at Puget Sound, even though there was already, a larger tenor-based group, people want that. People want more mm -hmm. of that. And I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, keep feeding the beast. Keep making that happen. And I'm really, 
I'm really happy that that's uh, we're enough time where we can do that. Yes, amen. I think that's pretty much all the time we have today. Thank Jacob, thank you so much for coming on Talk Appella. It's been awesome having you here. Thanks for having me. This is such a um, a rich topic for us to discuss, and, yeah. and we we didn't even scratch the surface. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully, when listening to um, discussions like this, people will be inspired to explore on their yeah. own. The resources are out there. Yep. Find them. Yep. Use them. One of those resources is Akaville Radio, which is what you are listening to right now. Um, if you didn't know that, that's weird because it's a website. You have to go to the website to listen to it. That's a problem. Um, if you didn't know that. So thanks, Ten, for listening to this week's episode of Talkapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, and for everything Acapella, stay tuned.
been roaming around. 